Hello and welcome back to JLXP. It's been a three-week hiatus, at least. Insane. And longer for you and I, Raz, actually. Yeah, we, it's been a long time. We missed an entire NBA playoffs. Golden State Warriors are now champions. But yeah. more, more importantly, uh, the LCS summer split is back. And there was a lot of interesting stuff that happened in, in the first week. We're going we're gonna to talk about... The plan here is to have three longer conversations about three of the main topics and not necessarily go deep into all of the teams. Um, but right at the beginning, I just want to get some of your impressions on the, the week as it was before we dive into our three main topics. The week, I mean, kind of a confirmation of just what we've seen from LPL, LCK. People will say LPL less so. I know that people in the conversations on the meta would be like, oh, LPL is a little more aggressive in the patch, mm -hmm. right? But like, mm -hmm. still, I'm like very sh much certain like um, Champions Kill the Minute has just dropped down. The games have been longer yeah. just in general. It's, yeah. it's, that's certainly the case. Like the meta as a whole has been um, longer, less punishing on champions that scale really well. A good example being Kale, which was hilarious when you see the shy picking that up. <laughs> um, and then like specifically to the LCS, that's very much been the case. The team fights have been more exciting to watch just yeah. because that's just how it is. And teams are a lot more even, in a more even state that is because of the early laning phase. So I've personally enjoyed larger team fights. Mm. But first 10 minutes for the most part is like, okay, that's, that's always going to be a little harder to watch. Yeah, I got to cast more than usual this weekend. I got to do games four and five on Friday and games four and five on yeah. Saturday. And uh, so, so one, I just haven't gotten that many casting reps this year, so I'm probably a little rusty. But I, I found myself doing some interesting things in the early games just yeah. because there was <laughs> such a small amount of action. So a lot of it ended up being just like narrative and storytelling. And I kind of ended up t talking about, you know, past experiences or maybe embellishing stories a little bit too much just because... The game, the early games especially, were very slow. Yes. And I think, to your point, the late games were still very exciting, which, like, when I compare that to the way playing League of Legends feels, like, actually feels better playing, uh, but it's yet to be seen whether that's an adjustment we need to make as, like, viewers or if yeah. teams are going to find ways to kind of recalculate playing on limits in the early game. That's a, that's a topic yeah. for later for sure. That's how I kind of always felt about... Uh you know, meta shifts in the past when the games were much more longer and you had tank top laners, it was like a Maokai meta and all these yeah. things. Like the early games were always a lot more boring, but when you get to the late game portions, that is always for me a meta that I enjoy the most because the team fights always feel like, you know, it's neck and neck. Mm -hmm. If a team is 1k behind with a comp, you're like, it doesn't really matter. It's based off execution because of the nature of the compositions. So I've always personally liked that uh, in comparison to, you know, Bruiser heavy, assassin heavy, not even so, just like kind of early game focused compositions. Right. Because once a team has a lead, even if it's like a 2K gold lead, it feels over and you kind of need mm. some, a major play to get back into the game. But for the most part, it'd be like, okay, we're just waiting for the game to end. And yeah. I hate that yeah. feeling. Yeah. And there's definitely, I mean, we had definitely had a lot of comebacks. I'll read out some stats about just, yeah. the, just the week that was from a recap perspective. 3-3-0 three, three, oh teams. CLG. The hell? Uh, EG <laughs> and Team Liquid, but then also two zero three teams in Cloud Nine and Dignitas. Then you have Hundred Thieves in the middle at two and one, and the rest of the teams at one and two. Some other stats: uh, Team Liquid in their three wins had six total deaths. They have forty four kills and six deaths. By contrast, Evil Geniuses, who also went three zero, 
52 kills, and 30 deaths. So definitely some more competitive games. 37 and a half minute average game time for them. 27 minute average game time for Team Liquid. Yeah. Uh, also, Bjergsen is the only player in the LCS that has not died. He was 13-0-18 in his games. And Danny from EG again leads league in kills already by seven. He's led the league in kills the last two splits running. Yeah. Um, has a seven kill lead already and is over a thousand DPM with his three as zero games. That's my stat dump. Now Boom. we'll get in. Now we'll get into the actual the three topics that I probably should have mentioned at the top of the show. First one, COG 3-0. What the hell? A lot of draft questions. You and I were gonna have a conversation about this during one of the analyst desk, like yeah. dark times. We killed it so we could have it on the podcast. Second topic that we're gonna talk about, if for some reason COG doesn't interest you, yeah, animal. Uh, would be kind of TLEG, the the great team, some of the great teams from last split having a big start. And the final topic is actually going to be like Cloud9 03 and what that entails and maybe a little yeah. bit of looking back at, at their year that they've had so far. I think three possibly really interesting conversations. But let's start, let's start with the conversation we didn't have about CLG. We were talking about their drafts and how, how crazy it is what they're doing actually. Because yeah. I look at their three games. Their very first game, so they had red side all three games. I need to check if that was the other team picking blue or if it was CLG choosing red. Ooh, that's actually question. a hard. That's actually a hard dig. I need to check with like league ops. It's not posted. Yeah, who had the choice of side? But anyway, three straight red side games, and their counter picks came right away, and were champions that no one else played every time. Game one, yeah. Senna was answered just boom with Seraphine right away. Next game. First pick, Viego, is answered by Nidalee, which is a jungler that no one has played. Didn't necessarily have a huge performance, but it's just kind of a trend with them. And then the third yeah. game, a first pick, Ezreal, is answered by freaking Sivir Talia, and it's Talia mid instead of yeah. Talia jungle. So they're doing some some out there stuff. What do you think so far of their approach? So far, uh, the competition that they've had going up against Golden Guardians, TSM, and Dignitas isn't the best uh, kind of competition. Right. I think TSM is a little better. Um, mm -hmm. Funny enough, um, and Golden Guardians, we'll see. Like I had them pretty high up, but I think their level of play is, is hard to kind of nail down. Honestly, same same shit as last split with Golden Guardians. <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, like my takeaway is a lot of the times when you have comps like these, like a, a meta that you kind of discovered and found success with, it's based off of like a lot of times your practice partners. Yeah. If you're going up against practice partners that are pretty poor or even or like just like middle of the pack and you're finding success with them it's like yeah our, our way of playing the game is is working like that's the way we want to play and we see value in it and the theory crafting that they had of like Sivir versus Ezreal I personally liked and I think it was great mm -hmm. um and and of course like their kind of priority on Seraphine as an example is another thing that people teams are kind of starting to understand but like I think if their partners were right at the beginning uh TL EG stuff like that like Basically, some of the top teams, and this is, of course, speculation. We don't know mm -hmm. who they mm -hmm. played. But a lot of the times, just from experience, when you go up against teams that are just clearly the best in the region, um, you change your picks to mimic it. And that's sad because, like, ultimately, that's the, a, a really boring way that the meta mm -hmm. starts to formulate is, like, oh, a pick that we had here is kind of, like, a good exam example is probably, like, the Seraphine bot lanes. Yeah. Of, like, incredible team fighting. But man, if we have that one partner that just punishes the hell of a, out of us early, you're gonna drop it right away. You're just immediately yeah. we're not playing anymore. So that's my biggest interest is because they have a lot of 
different picks, including Dokla's picks. You're right, yeah. the Talia going mid and jungle. And it was the pick that people were watching out for in the offseason because of the big changes, but started to move away from because, as you would expect, similar to Nidalee, it's like if you ever fall behind in the pick, it feels pretty disastrous, but has like really good, um, yeah, really good early game. Mm-hmm. And honestly, good interactions with dashing champions. So, like, one thing, major thing for CLG is I just want to see them have a really difficult week and see if these picks can work. Yeah. Um, you know, and that would be like my kind of conclusion. Right now, I'm a little sus of just a lot of it. Yeah, we we got a chance to talk to Dokla today uh, as he was coming to the analyst test to do Pro to Pro. And then we yeah. just threw him in for like an eight minute interview. And we talked to him a little bit before and after that as well. So, CLG did about a month in Korea, actually. Yeah. So many LCS teams actually went to Korea during the offseason to try and ramp up for the summer split. I think Worlds being an NA is really kind of a kick in the ass to a lot of these orgs to make sure they have summer split well. Um, But it didn't sound like they actually scrimmed that much in Korea. It was more just like training. Like just let's play on low ping solo queue against kick-ass competition and see how we do. So it's yeah. not like they've been spamming scrims in NA for that long because I think if they had been, then like more of these teams would be playing these picks because from the sound of it, Dokla said the scrims they've been playing haven't been particularly hard. It's not like they're smashing scrims, but they're doing fine. And then yeah. when you're willing to pull out these picks on stage, they have worked somewhere. Yeah. But I think the somewhere might be the few scrims they've done as well as just being big solo queue picks. Like he yeah. mentioned, you know, Luger, oh yeah, he's just a really good server player. That's a pocket pick for him. Contracts yep. has been a really good in Italy. Weirdly enough, Dokla's two Jace games and one Yone game are some of the most standard things that COG has done, even That's though funny. he's the one that we thought was going to be throwing in Urgot or Vayne. Uh, yeah. I do like your point about strength of schedule because there is that team every year that jumps out to a hot start and we start yeah. having these conversations of are they for real? Then we look at who they beat, and we realize it's not that much. Uh, I would say they, I think they are ahead yeah. of the meta. I don't know if that says that. good things for the meta because they're like way ahead because yeah. no one else is picking these champs. But if they are ahead of the meta, uh, it's going to be harder for them to catch up. If they're not ahead of the meta, that's actually weirdly better for them. Mm-hmm. That they're still winning the games uh, in that way. Next week they they play FlyQuest and then EG, so that's yeah. going to be a really really interesting matchup. What do you think their chances are of sustaining this good run? Because they actually have half the number of wins that they had in the entirety of the yeah. spring split after one week. So like for me, I'm really impressed. Um, we did our power rankings. Uh, mine wasn't added to the the dive aggregate, but I also agreed okay. that I thought yeah. that CLG would be 10th. And then after the week, I didn't even need to see the full week. I was like, okay, like, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> they're much better. They're much better. Mm. And I think the um, I think they're better than FlyQuest. So like looking at the next week, I have faith in they can take that win. Versus EG, no. Week three, I know we'll talk about. You'll talk about it when you get into your next uh, podcast. But that one's certainly their hardest versus C9. I'm sure that by that point they should have their bot lane. Um, fingers crossed. And TL. So like mm-hmm. they're gonna find some real challenges in dealing with the top three in C9, CLG. I mean <laughs> TL and EG. Um, assuming that C9 gets the players that they've been looking for. Um, 
And that's when we'll see it. But I agree with you. I think they're head of the meta. I, I like the Seraphine pickup. That's the only thing that I had a question mark on is like once they go up against the better teams. But I do think that she is a really strong pick that is flexible between mid uh, mid and bot lane. Yeah, yeah. Interchangeable with support depending on Senna being picked. Yeah, that's true. Um, Sivir is another really strong one that I th- like. I think a lot more picks are coming out because Ezreal's being blinded. Mm. Uh, so the fact that we're seeing such a lot of blind Ezreal. Not surprised that we saw Twitch, Yumi, and uh, Sivir. And with Yumi being picked up, that we're seeing Sona. I think that one's like something we've seen a little bit of in the past. So like these all track and make sense. Yeah. The only one that I think is just not going to come through in the future is like Nidalee. Yeah. And mm, depending on the Yone, Yone actually should have had a hard time. But like the game was just working on the, re- the rest of the map. Um, so it didn't really matter. Uh, but still, CLG is ahead of the meta. And I think because, and probably the biggest reason is because all of their players are grinders. They play the game, they play Champions Q and mm. Solo Q a lot. Mm. Um, so kind of makes sense that they would have a pretty strong understanding of niche champions or, mm. you know, champions that like not a lot of other people play, but they recognize, oh, this is really good in this meta um, because this thing is popular. So that makes them a deadly red side team. Yeah, I, I think they should continue to pick red side. I'm. I'm wondering how long they can continue to do this because I, if it is a team that has just been surprising people in draft, and it's not like yeah. their games were stomps either. They were somewhat drawn out, uh, yeah. even though it felt like it had a level of inevitability based on the team comp. Um, whether people adjust to that or whether they only have so many things they can pull out of their back pocket I think is yet to be seen. We, we had a very quick conversation about like them as a scrim opponent and how mm-hmm. if they continue to be so far away from what the current meta is, that would actually make them very bad scrim opponents Yeah, and would actually would possibly make it hard for them to get good practice because no one would ever want to scrim them if they're not going to be playing against the things that they're going to be seeing on stage. Yeah, they're gonna be. There are a few teams that just have like certain picks. I remember like the Alarim teams would be like, okay, well, he's playing completely different picks from the meta, so like having this matchup practice isn't gonna be valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I mean, just hit one an example for him. There's another one like I guess there are some teams that are Yumi teams, but like, oh, no one else in the region plays Yumi, so we're literally just perma banning Yumi and the whole set. Exactly the entire set, and so you'll just have that um, where you're like. Mm-hmm. This is literally only valuable for this team. And of course, like your own, if you're working on certain concepts, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. But for the players, you're like, what? All right, guys, <laughs> I'm up against this champion. Yeah. Anytime COG wins some games, though, it's always fun to talk about. Uh, yeah. And and Dokla has said some big stuff. Like he thinked, he, he said right away, like top five, but by the way, top three. And then he, then when we asked him and I pushed him on him a little bit, he said, oh, that's like our goal. Because like, yeah. what's the point of having a goal that isn't going to Worlds? Which I can definitely respect and is something they can think about for now. But I think uh, in terms of if I put a percentage on it, I do not have them top three. Like they yep. need to show a lot more than just an original 3-0. But it is still very exciting. Let's uh, move on a little bit to TLEG. And EG, I think is pretty quick. Impressive that they haven't suffered the same MSI fate that every NA team before them had. We have confirmation on this, that ever since MSI has been a format, the team that has gone to MSI has either started with a 50% win rate or a 0% win rate in their first week of LCS. 
And EG managed to pull out a 3-0. But not only did they do that, they beat 100 Thieves and Cloud9 doing so, and then FlyQuest for their third one. So how impressed are you by EG? Pretty damn impressed. It's it's actually kind of crazy, especially with the scale of the patch. Yeah. They're just, you know, without having to go too in-depth about the previous MSI patches, there would be like a few changes. You're like, okay, they better be able to play select few champions. But this is like a complete rehaul of how you would view a meta from early game centric to literally just like late game scaling um, and then like tower diving elements. So the fact that they only had like very little practice as a team and still were able to do this against tough competition, really impressed at how good they are. Um, Like sure, there are mistakes that are made, Mm -hmm. but that's going to happen, especially in week one in summer. But that's actually ridiculous that that's been the case. And now I'm starting to worry about where I ranked EG2. I think that, yeah, yeah it's it's ridiculous. What are you doing, Rasp? I didn't do a power rankings in summer. I, uh, Smart play. I just skipped out on it. <laughs> <laughs> Intelligent. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's, let's do TL, though. Um, okay. We'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about EG, the defending champs, especially when I think they're closer to their level. But the interesting thing for me about TL is how, for, for pretty much the entirety of spring, it was... Yeah oh yeah, TL's probably going to win. And for other moments, it was like, oh no, it's C9 that's going to win. Then randomly we have 100 Thieves and EG in the finals. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's because of the names on Team Liquid and because of how dominant they looked when they were winning. And I, it does seem like they really took that loss on the chin. They yeah. doubled down, did a, Korja did two Korean boot camps, but the team did a three and a half week Korean boot camp before the summer split happened and if what Bwipo said in the interview is remains to be true which for those of you who missed it he basically said like yeah we're committing to me being more of a weak side player and trying to win through core JJ and Hans and kind of playing through them and that just makes the most sense yeah for this construction of players that is a like a point in a team's life cycle that i've basically never seen hit this early yeah uh and we can we can possibly we can have a long or short conversation about this but uh they're commit they're seeming to commit very early to the style um what do you think of that and what has your experience been even in trying to chart a style for your teams like when you're an academy coach um you definitely don't want to create an image of your team right from the get-go. Um, I think it's really important. And this is what Team Liquid did in, this, in, in Spring Split, just like being able to experiment a little bit more, feeling tried, like you they can... They tried everything. Exactly. Yeah. Like recognizing, okay, this is how the meta is. And if we're if that means we're playing towards top lane, then you know, let's try to do that as mm-hmm. much. If we find a certain weakness, then trying to address it. Especially since they've been together, then you, they don't really necessarily have to work on concepts because they, I mean experienced players have been there kind of have already aligned during spring sure you have to realign on certain things because of the changes in uh, coming into summer split Mm -hmm. but being able to say no this is my role on the team right from the beginning of the split i think is not the best call i'm personally not a fan of it because i think that at least up until week four or five that's the necessity of being able to change like or at least like be a little bit more firm on what you're great at Mm -hmm. um because, at least from my point of view, yeah, the meta right now seems like it's pretty bot lane uh, centric, and that well, can be 
Yeah. Like right now we're seeing a lot of Kale, Fiora, like um, being played. So a lot of carry split push options, Camille versus like tank top lanes like Orin and Sejuani. So at the moment it seems very fluid, but I feel as though it can just solidify and playing carry's top lane. Mm -hmm. So my big fear is if you say me as a team, we're just going to be playing towards bot side and that's our identity. Yeah. Kind of like RNG back in the days. Um, to an extent, actually, evil geniuses right now. But you have to be willing to be like, okay, we're playing to the meta. And if we come to a point in week five, week six, when we're rounding up to playoffs and we recognize like we need to get everything centered, then we'll change to what we're best at and like really hone in on it. But it is a risk. And I don't like the idea of central or just like zeroing in on this right at the beginning of the split. Mm. I, I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. Like it's I, I think basically every team, especially good teams, yeah, want to be flexible. To mm -hmm. like a certain level of flexibility. And I think the the true answer of how flexible you should be is never I think we should be able to play all champions in all styles. Yes. Which is something some teams like legitimately say they strive for. I think it's impossible. Yep. And then the other extreme, it would be we're kind of what Whippo said, but maybe even more narrow because like today, for instance, he played Swain, which yeah. isn't like a weak side top laner, but he then still built pretty tanky and acted like a front line. So like it ended up working. Yeah. Um, this is one I go back and forth on, man. It's really tough. Yeah, because uh, I share this on the analyst desk, but I can kind of share it again here. Um, I wanted to try back in 2020 summer uh, this idea called like liquid champs. Yeah. And it was it was just like a, we have a lot of coaches meetings and even Kane would say like, hey man, like this is a pretty old team. Like it's really hard for us to learn new champions. And I'd be like, yeah. And whenever we're playing these new champions, we kind of suck and we don't yeah. have that much time. So it was like, it was a little bit of a like lack of time and like needing to produce results right away since one of our goals was to win a bunch of regular season games to have like good playoff seating so we qualify for Worlds. Um, but yeah. then the other one was like, yeah, I think this is just the best way for us to win. Weirdly enough, we like then lost two game fives in playoffs, one to FlyQuest, one to TSM. And in the back of my head, I'm like, well, maybe if we had like actually prioritized a little bit more diversity we would have just had more cards to play in these best of fives in hell. Like maybe we actually win the split. That's like in the yeah. back of my head because we also went 15 and three in part because we were so polished at exactly what we were doing. Yeah. Um, so that's what I say. Like I go back and forth on it. I, and I have one other theory on this okay. that for the people that listen like all the time would know this, but I'll say it again. Like team liquid's goal is not actually like it's, it's partially a goal to win an A, but their goal is to do really well at worlds and always yeah. has been. Like they went back to back to back to back four splits in a row and are still like, let's change the jungler. Like let's yeah. keep, let's do something else to go farther. Um, I don't think the team that wins worlds is the team that adapts best to the meta. Mm -hmm. I think the team that wins worlds is the team that is best at what ends up being the meta that was outside of their control. Yeah. That's so, been pretty, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. So in that way, hell, maybe the meta is what Team Liquid is best at. Let's just do that all the time and like, let's pray. And it sounds there's like an a stupid element, thing, but I think it's the best chance. Yeah, and there's an element of 
you being so good at your style can just trick other people into thinking that is the meta. Like a good example was true, literally RNG true, in 2018. True. And even though they lost mm. because they were so zero tunneled on like protecting um, yeah, AD carry on playing true. front to back, they were like, okay, that hampered us. But they were doing so well up until that point um, that people were like, oh, snap, no, we actually have to play the world bot lane. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not a top lane meta. Yeah, it's a and then the world meta. champions were like, oh, yeah, it's the Caps show that gets Fnatic there, and then it's Rookie and the Shy who win the split. Because yeah. it's like, then you have to kind of check yourself. You're saying, well, was 2018 actually about solo lanes? Or were Rookie and the Shy yeah. just like so good? Um, yes. It's a really so it, unanswerable question. It's really tough. I think it's mostly... Once you get to the point nearing playoffs and you're like, okay, we need to zero in on how we want to yeah. play the game, you got to be at least a little bit flexible to change certain, like to yeah. tweak certain things. Yes. And I think that's, and that balance is really difficult. Um, one thing that I would say, even if you want to be like a, here's a good example, like, oh, we want to, like, we want to play towards bot side and like make it so top side pretty consistently is our weak side. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And you want to play towards team fighting. That's okay. Um, also realizing like, okay, how do we communicate and play the game? That benefits specific type of team fights. Like, do we are we mm. specifically good at dive comps, or are we great at being able to kite back as a team? Mm -hmm. Like, ultimately, I realized a team that I worked with most recently with Golden Guardians Academy. We were like, okay, mm -hmm. like our best comp, our bread and butter is like Ezreal, Rakan, like Twisted Fate, or Azir. Like, this type typically the idea. You know, you can also shop in like a Karma of like just basically picking, poking, getting resources, kiting back, and just like. Um, essentially like playing team fights kiting backwards um that worked out really well for us and like realized okay once we got into a playoffs and like here are certain champions that can do that um not saying that we're not good at diving but like if we are if they're literally handing it to us on a silver platter to us then excellent that that's kind of like how we want to play the game and when meta changes like obviously you're never going to be gifted that and you need to be able to play kind of like all angles of team fighting mm -hmm. um but those are kind of the angles. I, kind of going back to this, like, yeah. I do think first four weeks, I would like to see more variety. But to be fair to them, we've already seen that in spring. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And they're like, so, well, that didn't work. So let's yeah. get really down. Let's get down to business. No more. Yeah. It's. There's a way of saying this because I think this is a hard topic to discuss. It's like. Mm -hmm doing what they're doing now sounds very conservative. Yeah. Like, oh, you're not going to improve. Mm -hmm. But my counter to that is if they really commit to it, it's one of the riskiest things they can do. Yeah. Because if the meta hard shifts somehow, they will have no practice playing those other styles and could fall short of winning an A. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think pre like if I think of the TSM teams that used to dominate NA, they were the ones that tried to be like kind of flexible, but ultimately yeah. it ended up being somewhat of like a Bjergsen team. The TL teams that won the four splits were always kind of the same team. They were always like the double if show or for two splits the double if core JJ show. So yeah. in some ways, like Core's I, I what I what I'm saying is I, I actually think it is very very respectable if they yeah. if they do this and i think it I has a high chance of of working um mm -hmm. okay that's tl for now we'll have plenty of time to touch back on that we got nine week regular season then four weeks of playoffs 100%. uh cloud nine currently not in playoffs 
There's eight teams that make playoffs. Right now, they're actually 0-3. And this is a possibly spicy one. Because uh, there's a conversation that nobody is having right now. Mm-hmm. And there, this is this is honestly a little unfair to have right now because they have two subs. They yeah. have King and Destiny. Berserker lost his passport. Like, what a fundamentally like unlucky way to yeah. not have your star 80 carry here um we've seen zven we know he's in the country we don't yeah. know when he's going to play or if he's going to play support or 80 carry it could really mess with things depending on how long berserker has so that's that's the thing everyone's talking about the thing we're not talking about though is like you know they weren't necessarily that complete of a team last split they haven't looked like that complete of a team yet but what they did have, they had a player who could go 2,000 gold up on the opponent player yeah. and basically guarantee victory against people who weren't someday or impact. In fact, some may have called him the most valuable player in the LCS. <laughs> I think there's an award for this. <laughs> but he's no longer on the team. And they're yeah. on three. So... Is that like this is obviously it's it's week one overreaction like just blatantly it is but yes is there should there be some summit regret of not retaining him for this split after this start I personally don't think so I think the the fans as a whole I was really surprised that and you were too I remember actually us having the conversation that like when the MVP was revealed the community had a pretty like reasonable conversation understandable about it. take yeah yeah really understandable take because. For them to be so successful in the regular season and then be able to hit like top two um, and then falter in playoffs and we're like, okay, like obviously we don't have the idea of what's happening within the team. So like a little bit of speculation, but mostly like picking up bits and pieces from what people were saying internally, uh, like on streams mm-hmm. um, out there and just like in interviews. They're like, okay, makes sense. Like if if this change was purely a playoff change in my mind or just mm-hmm. like a change for this team to win a championship. Yeah. Because that Cloud9 from last split can absolutely be a top four team. Like, 100%. Like, yeah. And, um, or a top five team, I suppose, because top four is getting pretty competitive. Um, that being said, for... I don't think people are too concerned at all about this for these first two weeks. Yeah, right and now, I think like, them, the panic yeah. actually hasn't set in at all, even though they're elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah. If they go into the next week and then they're losing again, okay, you know what? Goddamn, at this point, we want something back. <laughs> so there will, I think... He's gone. Yes, He's on FPX There's going to be... Oh, he is on FPX. That's yeah. true. He's got the relationship with uh, Clid now. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like, I think people will understand, and I think that's largely what it is, and they have a lot of faith, mostly because... Fudge is taking that role, and he's performing yeah. decent, pretty well he's in the first actually week. Actually, had some really good plays. Yeah, exactly. So, hilariously enough, a little bit of their problems comes in draft. Like their draft at times just feel really weird. Mm-hmm. The Jinx first pick seems like mostly out of touch, and that's probably because yeah, um, and then you they're don't doing know. like Twitch Yumi, even though it's what looks to be like the weakest part of their team. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard though. Exactly, like, the meta is so bot focused, and they have two sub bot laners. It seems really, really yeah. hard for them to win right now. That's why I think not only the fact that gameplay-wise losing out your bot lane will suffer, but also drafting. Like knowing what your team, your bot lane's willing to play, comfortable to play on a, on stage, and even just what they believe is strong. Right? Mm-hmm. Aphelios is like such a core champion to Berserker that clearly when 
we see him come back, that it's going to move away from Jinx in my mind. And you're going to mm-hmm. pl- probably seeing a lot more Ezreal, Ophelios, team fighting champions that he has been so good on in the past. Yeah. My, uh, I'm a pretty conservative person. Yeah. Um, there's been versions of me that like, I wish I just had a second Twitter account that like yeah. I could say stuff on, but then not really suffer the consequences of. So I want to make a take. This is like KD happen. burner. Yeah. I, I literally want to make a take right now that I don't want to have to stand behind if it goes wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just get to people. Are people okay with this? I want to have that <laughs> this What's is the take. This is the take. Um, that Cloud9 overreacted off of Summit getting wrecked in playoffs. Mm. He must have been so destructive behind... He, he would have had to have been so destructive behind the scenes to actually justify this. Because, let's consider this, if they really want to make it run a world. I'm, yeah. a, I'm actually a Jensen believer that he yeah. is, still has a lot in the tank. He played great at last year's World Championship. Um, he has the ability to do that again. When Summit is grooving... He is better than Fudge. Mm-hmm. Um, Fudge said that. Yeah. A bunch of times. He like a couple that. months ago. Yeah. Um, but Cloud9 really loves Fudge because he's actually great for the organization. He's an ambassador. He does PR for them. He's super young. They're really invested in Fudge. So they like want to make that work. But like just listen to this roster. Like Summit, Blabber, Jensen, Berserker, Zven. Because mm-hmm. Zven has his green card. They no longer need Winsome, who is the weakest player on their team. That sounds like a roster like... If you're taking risks, like, hell, if that works, yeah. bam, that's amazing. But now they're already in Visa slash green card prison. Like, it could, it would be so disappointing if Berserker just doesn't get, like, we, we don't exactly know what's going on there. Yeah. Like, he just can't come in. Um, yeah. But that, to me, actually seems like the world beater roster. If you could, like, somehow make that work with Summit and Berserker and Blabber Jensen's Ven, that just sounds so much better than what they have. While I would agree to that, it's always been one of those on-paper baits. Like, absolutely. That is an on-paper bait. I 100% yeah. think that's an on-paper bait. Yeah. yeah. There are too many, too many circumstances where it's like, ooh, that sounds like an amazing team. Oh, but the team is not actually working out for whatever reason that we actually can't track. Like, publicly, like, we can't yeah. see that. Yeah. But for whatever reason, like, the drafts consistently look like poor. It's literally, I would say, the vitality trap. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, like... Um, and I think Vitality to do well, but Did it's already want? kind of <laughs> yes. So they're doing they're doing quite well for themselves. But it's we've seen many teams um, like Elements and all these things where you're like, damn, yeah. that's that's a sexy that team on paper. Great. Yes, like wow, we'll take that. Froggen and Reckless Pog. Wow, <laughs> two guys Whoa. that don't do anything. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> but like. Like, but yeah, I, I honestly believe that if that pa- that team ran, which was on paper amazing, mm-hmm. I would guarantee another issue. Yeah. Um, and that's that's honestly what ended up happening to Summit. So I think Fudge, great in that team environment. Also, last time we saw him when Alfari was on, in the region, like I was, I thought he was the second best, mm. a top laner. And when it came to Spring Finals or Summer Finals, I'm trying to remember which one that was. It felt like Spring. Um, that Fudge was the better player. Yeah, so, Fudge is super malleable. That's like his exactly. Strength. This would and be that's like, their yeah. and that's their biggest kind of go to is that like if it's a top lane carry meta, we already saw that in the Fudge. He can play uh, with uh, Fiora. Mm-hmm. He could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a bot side focus thing, which they we're trying to do, 
then he can play around that pretty malleably. Uh, has the Malphite in the tank if it's relevant. Probably play, can play Sedjuani for his team. And that's his biggest attribute. And so that means that the focus, as per usual with this team, is going to be on Berserker and Blabber. Mm-hmm. Um, those are probably just their two carries. Jensen would, you know, is a strong performer. Yeah. Can also be equally malleable. But I do think that we've already seen that from Berserker and Blabber in the last split. We're probably going to be seeing the same thing this split. And they don't have that player. So, yeah, I'm personally happy that the change happened and really sad that it couldn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, that team had so many problems last split, including the coaching changes, mm-hmm. that I hope mm-hmm. that the other issues did not um, kind of snowball into this one, um, making it harder to kind of get through uncertain champions or something. I'm once again speculating, but that's all you yeah. can really do on this it's one. It's been a wild ride. Kind of, it's been a wild yeah. ride like for C9. They, they made the most like splashy fan excitement coaching hire and fire within like the first two weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. Then they had what for a few moments looked like the best import pairing possibly ever, but pretty much since Huni Rainover because they, for, for so much of the split, they were actually in first place. Summit wins MVP berserker. Like everyone said, like the players said that he was Mm -hmm. the best. Like we as casters often were putting Han Sama above berserker and like our power yeah. rankings but almost any 80 carry i talked to be like berserker is so good so yes. like there's just so much going well for that team and then you come into like literally the start of summer they have zero of three of their like most exciting parts from the start and they're mm-hmm. zero and three it's like this is actually a big down moment um some of those things were out of their control some of those things were in their control but uh I hope it works out, actually. I really yeah. want C9 to do well. It would be super tragic if, like, the thing... like Because I think Berserker is so, 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 so good. And yeah. I, I, I did the, like, hot take that I don't want to have consequence for. Um, I do also think this is a good roster. My hot yeah. take, if I was going to do a power ranking episode, was going to be, like, I'll do the conservative power ranking, which is going to be, like, TLEG, 100 Thieves, like, up there. My spicy mm-hmm. power ranking was be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I think C9 could actually be the best. Yes. Um, so I still think there's a chance they win the split. Um, the, the funny thing was, that's what I was kind of leading with with the power ranking. It was, like the dive was focusing on regular season, um, which is what we've done, like, but is actually maybe not the way to do it anymore. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think people are not interested in regular season. I know us watching the NBA is like, yeah, good job, yeah. <laughs> good job getting first seed. <laughs> Phoenix Suns, baby. NBA go, power go. ranking chance. <laughs> yep. yep. We'll see you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, in the semifinals, good luck, right? 64 wins, all right. <laughs> Huge. Um, but yeah, like I remember in the LeBron area, it would be like, oh, great, you know, Raptors or something got first seed, perfect, time yeah. to lose to LeBron. Like, yeah. that's just how it is. Um, yeah. So, like, especially looking at last year, TSM getting first and then getting subsequently kicked, same thing mm. would happen with TL to a lesser degree mm-hmm. um, since mm-hmm. they actually made it to finals weekend. Yeah. So I actually firmly believe that C9, well... Now that I've seen some of the teams, I want to see what Team Liquid can do. But at the beginning of the split, C9 will win championships. Mm. Like I, Because I thought that Damn. Jensen, probably going to get first All-Pro. Um, would say the same about Fudge, because I have the faith that he'll get to where he was last he was in the top lane. And Blabber is already the best jungler. Mm-hmm. So you just have what I would see, like, nearing in the playoffs the best players in all three positions. Mm. And then you I didn't even mention Berserker, but like once Berserker and Zven 
get rolling and understanding matchups or at least seeing matchups in the same way, getting through the usual communication, how you want to play a lane kind of snafu that you would have. And Zven actually, sure, he's playing solo queue and support, but it's going to be different when you're playing scrims. Like once they get that sorted, which will be for sure before the end of the regular season, this is just the championship team. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm really interested in what the, where they will go, but getting a zero and three will definitely have a lot of doubters. It's a Your shock to the what, system, is what yeah. it is. It's a big shock yeah. to the system. It's like let's ha- we need to figure out how to get some wins. Um, yes, because you don't want to start the players in the losers bracket. Anyway, that is all of our major topics that I feel like we needed to cover. Anything Boom. else you want to add? I got nothing. I can't wait until week two, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, mostly to, we'll start to, we're following the other teams as well, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, teams mm-hmm. like FlyQuest is an interesting one because they were the biggest surprise in Spring Split, yep. but is certainly now a team that is struggling alongside Dignitas. So I want to be able to see where those teams end up going because it's going to for sure be a shock to them uh, that their early Spring Split success is, and they, without making many changes for the, both of those teams, just top yeah. lane changes, yeah. uh, and they're the ones falling behind because a lot of teams, in their view, in my view, made upgrades. I think yeah. the only team that didn't make an upgrade would have been FlyQuest. And I think that Philip was playing kind of better than I would have expected. So we'll mm-hmm. see where they end up going. Yeah. Lots of future podcast conversations. But thanks again for joining me, Raz. For everybody else, thank you for making it to the end of the episode. We will see you next time. Thanks for watching.